Welcome back to Life vs. Work here on localjobnetwork.com radio. I'm your host, Tim Muma. You're listening to part two of our discussion on managing caregivers in the workplace and how employers can really help themselves and assist their employees in an effort to avoid any lack of production. Our expert guest joining us from New York is attorney Mara Levin, a partner with Herrick Feinstein LLP and the co-chair of the firm's employment practice group. Now we continue the conversation by discussing the potential benefits to flexibility and understanding for caregivers, both male and female. And I think you definitely, uh, you know, emphasize that whole idea that it, it, it really comes down to the language, right? I mean, having clear language in a policy, gender neutral, I mean, all those things. I mean, that's, that's really where employers sort of, for lack of a better word, protect themselves from uh, some sort of claim that might come up, right? Absolutely. The policies are extremely important. Training your HR personnel and your supervisors on how to address requests for accommodation. Training HR personnel and supervisors when someone makes a claim that they're being treated in a discriminatory way. And employees appreciate it when a company has a culture that supports family caregiving because, after all, there are just so many more people in the workplace that have those responsibilities. And you don't want to lose valuable employees uh, because they have these caregiving obligations. I mean, in in fact, the cost to businesses to replace women caregivers who quit their job because of caregiving responsibilities has been estimated at at over $3 billion. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty extraordinary. And absenteeism among women who have caregiving responsibilities cost businesses as much as $270 million last year. So, There are significant reasons why an employer, if they have the financial ability to do so, would want to be able to enact policies that allow caregiving in certain circumstances. Again, if the the employer can be flexible, I know I certainly, as an employment lawyer, encourage it. I mean, if you can structure a Mm -hmm. job sharing or if if you could hire floaters to fill in for certain positions, if you could offer telecommuting opportunities... Some, some of my um, larger firms that I represent actually have virtual offices in suburban communities where they have quite a large employment pool working for situations where the people just can't get into work, but they have the ability to go to an office and perform their, their job functions in between dropping a, a kid off at school and picking a kid up from school or, um, or dealing with a, a, a Parent mm-hmm. issues. Well, and you know, you you sort of bring up the point there also that uh, you know there's a balance there because employers only have they only do have to do a certain amount based on the law. But you mentioned sort of going beyond that a little bit and accommodating uh, caregivers in a certain way, a consistent way, as you've you've alluded to. You know, the other side of it, obviously, some employers may say. You know, we don't have the means to do that. Uh, there are other issues that come up with with sort of granting that amount of flexibility, um, you know, spread across the organization. I guess what are some of the things you hear from employers who maybe they feel that they, they can't do that or, or why they don't give you know, more of that option to caregivers, whether it be financially or production or, or in some other capacity with their organization? Primarily, I feel that smaller companies don't have the financial wherewithal to be able to allow um, employees to work on a modified schedule um, or to take significant amounts of time off mm-hmm. because there aren't people to fill in those positions and they often can't, they often, you know, when, when, you, when you allow somebody to take time off, if, if, if you're not required under the FMLA, then the point of allowing them is to basically say, I'm going to preserve your job when you want to come back. 
So if, it, if, you, if you can't have that job function fulfilled by someone who you've already hired, then you have to hire somebody, train them, and let them know it's only temporary. The smaller companies find it financially difficult to be able to offer this, and I understand that. And, um, and they realize that, as a result, they may lose very valuable people. But sometimes they just, there just isn't a way to be profitable and to also accommodate that. It's the larger companies that... Um, that have the the employee pool that can take over somebody's job if they have to be out um, and can hire somebody in a temporary position and then possibly with the opportunity to move to a different position when that person comes back. But the larger companies are more sensitive to, sensitive to it as well because the larger companies usually um, have, large when I mean 50 or more, have FMLA obligations. So because Mm -hmm. they have the federally mandated, they often have policies that go above above and beyond what's required by federal law. Well, you know, as you look to sort of kind of wrap up the idea of this topic and, and caregivers in the workplace and how employers, you know, sort of go about handling different situations, uh, you know, as you talked about the increase in, in men being the caregivers, part of that, things I've read, you know, has to do with the economic situation with layoffs and um, you talk about unemployment, underemployment, that sort of thing. Clearly, there's it's different now than it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. So if if you were speaking to employers right now, you have the floor, as you do, many are listening. What is your overall suggestion in terms of trying to manage those caregivers' time and flexibility? And again, I know you have to speak in generalities because it runs the gamut of who's, who's listening and the size of the companies. But what's just your overall advice to sort of help in this area? I think for a company that can afford to do so, what I recommend often is to engage your employee in the interactive process. It's almost what's required under the Americans with Disabilities Act when somebody has a disability. Uh, The employer is required to engage them in order to figure out how, if and how, they could accommodate a particular disability. So it's the same thing with a caregiver. If an employer has the financial means to be able to grant some sort of modified work schedule or leave um, or sharing, job sharing, then they should, when they're, when they're presented with the request um, and the employee meets the necessary criteria, which often is that they've worked for the company for a certain period of time, mm-hmm. enter that process by saying, we really want to make this work because we don't want to lose you, but of course you understand that it has to work for us as well. Um, you know, what is it, what's, what, what's going on with you and how, how see if we could work together and figure out a way to accommodate it. And, you know, fathers in, in the last, you know, 25 years recognize that they want to be able to care for their children as well. And if employers are sensitive to that, that need of dads to also find that work-life balance, which means that you're going to have happier employees, when the employees are feeling that they're spending quality time at home as opposed to coming home late, kissing their kids goodnight, and only seeing them on the weekends if they're not working on the weekends, <laughs> then, you're, then you're going to have a happier workforce and happier employees on more productive employees. Well, Mara, I mean, thanks a lot for bringing our listeners uh, some perspective on this subject. Um, obviously, in terms of the legal concerns surrounding it, but also you know, sort of your, your little piece of advice there that uh, you know obviously come from a lot of experience. Now, if people are interested in, in sort of maybe reading about this sort of area a little bit more or finding more information? And where would you suggest they, they look? I mean, obviously, if you have a serious concern, you, you, you go to a, a legal side of things. But if they're just interested, they want to find out more, where would you point them to? Well, if somebody wants to learn about the FMLA and their rights under the FMLA, um, they could go to 
the Department of Labor's website. Um, I think it's www.dol.gov. Okay. And that'll tell them what they're what what the in, in layman's terms what protections are afforded to to employees under federal law. Um, and if they just want to understand, if they want to have the ammunition to approach their employer if they don't have the federal law protections to say this is something that you should consider, um, they if they if they plug into a Google site family responsibility discrimination, um, they're going to get a lot of very interesting uh, articles and statistics on why employers are much more sensitive to FRD, um, especially in light of the fact that there is a proliferation of litigation um, claiming such discrimination. Well, thanks again, Mary. We definitely appreciate the insight and the knowledge and obviously the expertise that you brought to us today. My pleasure, Tim. Anytime. Once again, that's our expert, Attorney Mara Levin, a partner at Herrick Feinstein LLP in New York. And that'll do it for us here on Life Versus Work. Feel free to send us an email at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com with any comments or suggestions for any of our programs here on localjobnetwork.com radio. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Mula. Take care, everybody.